This week, will virtual reality save the environment, or should we all just become vegans? This and other more troubling questions arise as we attempt to save you from the future. It's in case anything funny happens before we even get into it. That's why I record early. For this kind of golden sibling moment. Ribena! <laughs> you bought it for me! Yeah. I'm done now. You asked for it. It's empty. I did. Thank you very much. I appreciate the Ribena. Okay, cool. Hello and welcome to I Will Save You From The Future, a podcast about future technology, new trends, and how to stay safe, how to avoid the coming apocalypse vis-a-vis technology, vis-a-vis robots, augmented reality, the works. Oh, in the studio today, with me, sitting right next to me, is my sister, Jennifer Bingham, that Jenny B. Hello, that's me. Hello, how are you doing? I'm pretty good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. I got myself a Dr. Pepper because I would like to be a Pepper too. <laughs> really? Yeah. What kind? Do you mean like a like a vegetable? Like the no, red like one or orange part one? part of his family. I want to live with him. Right. The doctor. The Okay. The doctor. Okay. I, I don't know how achievable that is, but it's a great goal to have in life. Shit. So I'm so tired. Yeah. We shot a video over the weekend. By the time we that, did. By the time this comes out, it will have it will have come out. So we can say that we were oh, really? working Yeah. How exciting. We were working on the bothering too. Over the weekend, a YouTube comedy sketch for YouTube made by us for YouTube that you can watch at youtube.com forward slash I am Bing. Um we made a little brother sister um comedy sketch together on the North Norfolk coast and I spent all of Sunday shouting and you had a neck, you had neck injury. I still do. It's not gotten better yet. You've been suffering from neck injury. And I, so I basically, I, I. And it was freezing. I, my day job is that I teach at a university. So I didn't have a weekend because I was there on the Friday doing stuff, telling students how good and bad they are. And then we went to the, to the shoot for the weekend yeah. and then the monday i was back to telling the students how good and bad they are yeah i was i was working on i mean i work from home so it's not quite as bad but i'm still working and it requires a lot of you know brain power i was working on thursday friday then i drove everyone we went to the shoot and we did it on saturday and then we did the shoot on sunday and then i was working monday as well uh not today i was meant to be working today but then not oh so we're yeah i mean i've been running i've been cramming my things like this into the evenings which is when we're doing it now. It's the evening. It's dark outside. It is. And I'm tired. So I might get a bit funky this evening <laughs> is what I'm saying. I, that sounds great to me. I Funk. Funk. I also am dedicated to trying to keep this to an hour long episode. A lot of them have been really long recently. And I want to try and keep this to like a good even half hour on the front and a half hour on the back. No dilly dallying. Okay. We get to the funny. Okay. We. I'm going to explain to you the subject. Then we're going to say some stuff. Some of it's going to be funny. And then the second half, we're going to yes and ourselves into an apocalypse. Okay, let's do it. Okay. Oh. I'm not a very interesting person, so I may not talk very much. So you might not have to worry about the length do you swear a lot in your podcast yeah you're allowed to swear okay i don't okay um (laughs) (laughs) so it's an interesting subject though however we're talking um about 
virtual reality. <laughs> we're talking we're talking about virtual reality this weekend see i'm gonna cut there i'm just gonna take that bit out <laughs> the magic of editing we're talking about virtual reality most more specifically we're talking about virtual reality headsets head mounted displays or hmds and the evolution thereof i'm gonna give you a real like i'm gonna give you a just whistle stop tour of the history of hmds are you ready okay are you ready for I, this i am ready you're all ready i'm very incredibly ready yes okay cool it goes all the way back to the 1800s what yeah wow i mean it's a very it's a very i i get again it's one of these um kind of like those like image boxes or like kaleidoscope yeah 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 you're on the right track so it this is this is maybe reaching a little bit but i found a couple of articles who seem to suggest that virtual reality can be traced back all the way to the 1800s with 360 panoramic uh paintings whoa yes these were done people did this uh most notably of like battlefields and things they do like the whole battle of whatever and they'd paint the whole like um you know a person's point of view looking around in a circle and you see the whole thing like a freeze frame of a, of action happening so you can experience all the horrific death and violence without actually being there yeah man the olden days were were tough there was a lot of violence yes there was a lot of violence there's a lot of violence now yeah it's not great i don't like it arguably less than there was then, and a lot of it nowadays is done by robots. <laughs> right there. I'm, I'm holding it together. Um, that is true. So, yeah, I mean, that's arguable. I think it's maybe a little bit of a reach, but they did, you know, some people pioneered 360 paintings. Some of them were, were printed on, on, like, curved surfaces, curved walls, and curved... Uh, can you curve a canvas? Who knows? I think someone well, did it, it. Probably. I mean, it's fabric, so... The actual start of what would eventually turn into HMDs um, is... Image boxes! 1938. Um, a man called Sir Charles Wheatstone. What would, a great oh, name! It is a very good name. Sir Charles Wheatstone. Hello, nice to meet you. And I don't think he was a sir at this point. I oh, think I thought he, you said sir. He later became did sir. Did I just add that? No, I, I called okay, him sir. Okay, okay. I was... was having a moment where i just thought i turned yeah. him into a sir no uh he wasn't yet a sir i don't think when he invented this he became a sir later on because he also invented a bunch of ciphers for code breaking wow. and um he changed the face of electronics with new types of circuits what a guy so i mean on the scale of things that mr wheatstone invented <laughs> the stereoscope which is what we're talking about doesn't rank that high Oh. The stereoscope was essentially a kind of two holes in some wood that you could look through it, do different still images. And you would put two still images in, in the holder. The combination of looking at one with your left eye and one with your right eye would give the illusion of depth. That was basically it. No glass at this point, just like a couple pictures. Okay. okay. Fast forward, right? 1849, a guy called David Brewster... Wow! Invented the lenticular stereoscope. Lenticular. So he was very like a lot of people get confused and think that he invented the stereoscope like completely, but Mm -hmm. he was very adamant that like all credit go to Wheatstone first. But what he did is he integrated lenses. He was the first person to put like glass into it, optics that like enlarged the thing and made it better. He took that idea from Wheatstone and just advanced it. Yeah, yeah. And I think they cite some kind of... I saw um, when I was reading that they cited a letter that they'd found where he wrote to one of his colleagues about it saying like that it was based on Wheatstone's idea. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um... In 1861, a guy called Oliver Wendell Holmes. Another great name. Yeah, very These good name. These guys names. are fantastic. Mm. Not as good as Dr. Pepper, though. Oh, I'm becoming more pepper every second. <laughs> Oliver Wendell Holmes, or Holmesy to his bros. <laughs> You're right, Holmesy. Wendell to his enemies. <laughs> um, basically ripped them both off. Oh, wow. And, oh. 
He, and even didn't try and patent it because he knew it was a ripoff. Oh, homesy. He just made a slightly nicer version of it um, that ha- you could hold with one wooden handle that was kind of in the middle. If you imagine a mask, a kind yeah, of yeah. Um, uh, glass, like a mask that covers the top half of your face. He put a, a kind of wooden handle just in the middle. There. Kind of like a masquerade mask. Yeah. But a different. But with the handle the in the middle. Yeah. Not the same at all. Yeah. Um, Less feathers. And... Thing. In 1939, William Gruber, wow, in partnership with a company called Sawyer's Inc. and a bunch of different people whose names I'm not going to mention, who were employees of Sawyer's Inc. I like Sawyer. Um, Sawyer Milk is a kid. Started making the Viewmaster, which I don't know if you've ever played with. Then they weren't. I as, have heard of the Viewmaster. They for sure. weren't ever as big here as they were in the states. But we had like I think as kids we had toys like that i remember having a little game boy that you could click yes i remember that and you clicked it and it changed the picture and it was round on a little on a little disc and it would change the picture yes that's I've, essentially I've, a mini version of the Viewmaster. yes i remember that and i feel like i will have used other ones as well that all yeah. had different images for sure i know what that is yeah. so the Viewmaster was a, another kind of mix on the stereoscope idea you had two um sockets for putting your eyeballs into and Ooh, you could you, you could have to buy, take them out first <laughs> you could buy these yeah you had to take your eyes out and kind of deposit them into the Viewmaster. that was and, the flaw in the in the design yeah not many kids wanted to get on that no um and they sold little discs little cardboard discs with um translucent film uh sheets in embedded in and you clicked the little mechanical button and it would spin the disc around and each time yes. you would get a different view um a different stereoscopic view with that that same kind of illusion of depth not really 3d but getting there yeah 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 very cool meanwhile okay just yes. as an aside um backing up 10 years in 1929 the first ever flight simulator was built by a guy called Edward Link. Um, it was entirely mechanical. Um, it's referred to as the Link Trainer, also known as the Blue Box or the Pilot Trainer. It was entirely mechanical. It was like a cockpit of a aeroplane, and with various controls, you could move it, you could tilt it, people could take, like, run-ups and throw buckets of water over it. It was just, like, was designed to... to simulate the the inside of a of a plane for training very cool very cool i know i didn't think that uh link knew how to fly a plane i've only ever seen him ride a horse yeah yeah video game jokes i spent the last episode trashing the switch oh man that ah but i really want to go home and play breath of the wild yeah i mean you can you can play your nostalgia box i don't care it's a good console sure whatever it's not the wii the wii was yeah fuck the we yeah anyway we're not here to talk about the we we have precious minutes i'm so sorry precious time is a wasting we're almost already at 14 minutes or so wow um so we go to the 60s (laughs) we move on through to the 60s the swing in 60s with the beatles free free love the beatles love the beatles the beatles are happening they're having free love everyone's got bob haircuts and really bad clothes fantastic and austin powers is there flower power until he gets frozen (laughs) uh and a guy called morton helig oh my gosh these names who is a cinematographer wow invents what he calls the sensorama that's a great name now the sensorama if you imagine an arcade machine right the sensorama if you imagine an arcade game box right now put like a um a chair in front of it like you're at a hairdressing salon mm-hmm. and it can slide forward and backwards depending on how le- long your legs are right and then it kind of leans forward further than an arcade cabinet to enclose your head so you sit down and then you slide yourself into it and the front of it comes wraps kind of around you like a helmet that's not not actually resting on your head Mm. and then you put your hands on the controls and it included stereo speakers a stereoscopic 3d uh projection fans a vibrating chair and smells Oh my gosh! It emitted smells. That's could be really, really bad, depending no- on the situation you're in. And then I've noted here. I watched an, an interview with this guy on YouTube. Really? You can search for it. Oh my gosh! I'm gonna. Have that to was watch done that. years and years later, and 
he made a point of noting that it can have up to 10 smells. <laughs> it, can, it can hold at any one time up to 10 smells. Up to 10 smells! And I mean, he, he doesn't go crazy. He usually has maybe two smells per film. Wow. But it can take 10 smells. They just might get a bit mingled and you could end up with something quite unpleasant. Yeah, and I imagine they're quite old now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mm. wonder what they smell like now. But hey, we could get some new perfume and put it in, you know, yeah, I put guess whatever so. you want in. Yeah. Um, uh, Morton, being a cinematographer himself, made a bunch of films for the thing. And they were the, typically the ones that came with it. I wonder what happened if 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 the smells ever got mixed up like you were in a one scenario and the smell wasn't co correlating with that scenario that you're in at all that would throw me completely yeah. take me out of the experience it would be very confusing i'm on a dune buggy racing through the desert and but it smells like uh caves or, or freshly cut grass grass yeah maybe it smells Imagine like that. the inside of a a lady's house because <gasps> i thought you were gonna say something else <laughs> because <laughs> house because here's the thing right house <laughs> here's the thing um morton pesky old morton pesky old morton uh, he was a cinematographer and so he took it upon himself to make a bunch of films for this thing okay he made one about a helicopter ride wow. he made one where you were in you were riding in dune buggies he made one where you were watching a belly dancer Ooh. and he made one called a date with sabina <laughs> where you just were oh, no. in a pov uh on a date oh my gosh yeah what do you think the smells were for that exactly what i'm saying is like goodness patchouli and candles and stuff yeah yeah oh okay i want to know what she looks like is i'll that... show you later have we can't show the audience have you seen it can you yeah. see it I've, well i didn't watch the whole you can't watch the thing but i saw like the thumbnail that was on the ex exterior of the Ooh. machine and it had a picture of Sabina. She's Sabina. like a kind of dark-haired, white, kind of European-looking woman. Goodness. Wow, um, what a thing. Yeah, what a thing. Um, he made a bunch of these. And in do, do they, did they all have Sabina, or were they? did each one have a different lady? That's where my understanding of it started. Well, no, there was only the one date with Sabina film, which he shot. Right. It wasn't like it was a film. It was, you know, a real actress. It wasn't something interactive. Ah, okay. Um, these were just films that you didn't interact with, that you just watched for the experience. Imagine just going on a date with someone and just sitting there not participating, just watching them have a date with you. Yeah, it's very strange. So, like, <laughs> in a lot of ways, it was ahead of its time, and in a lot of other ways... It was not. It was very bad. Yeah. It was very, very bad. But he gets points for trying. Yeah, he gets points for doing it. And he, he gets loads of points for putting smell in there. He, he gets points for being the first commercial 4D cinematic experience f uh, that would exist for another, like, 40 years. So, like, damn. Even if it was bad, damn. Morton's got chops. Yeah. Got Maybe chops. that's the name of the episode. Morton's got <laughs> Morton's chops. Morton's got chops. Um, <laughs> a little bit later, he would also... Is this also... a drawing you tried to do? <laughs> yes. <laughs> A little bit. Sabina? There are several drawings. Oh my gosh, okay. But I've got other drawings I'm for excited. you. I'm excited. Oh, I like the look of this. So later on, uh, this same guy, Morton uh, Heilig, or Heilig, uh, invented the Experience Theatre, which was a kind of mini version of, of his Sensorama. And it was something that strapped to your face. So although it didn't have, um, obviously didn't have motion tracking or interactivity, it could or be smell. it could be described as the first ever head mounted display wow it did strap around you it looked like a kind of it looked like a cardboard box someone has spray painted silver strapped to your face fantastic yeah and it did the same kind of thing but without the smells and the vibration and the wind oh, i forgot about the vibration just the stereoscopic uh visuals. and wind did you say wind yeah it had before? fans in it <gasps> oh yes you did say fans yeah it had oh fans. my goodness it could, it could blow so if you were on the dune buggies you felt the rush of wow. wind on your hands. Wow. You don't get that with modern VR You headsets. do get it. I mean, there are certain cinemas that do 4DX experience oh, stuff. Cinema, you know, yeah, that kind of yeah, crap. Yeah. So, I mean, this guy was ahead of his time. Cineworld are doing awesome. it. That's pretty awesome. Odeon do it. Yeah. I was spending so long focusing on the smells, but wind is pretty awesome. Yeah, there's a whole new, a whole different treasure trove of fun to be had with the fan. No, not really. <laughs> Just... 
just it's actually then it turns out that it's not a high powered fan it's just one of those tiny little ones for when you're slightly warm mm. and it doesn't really do much yeah it was just it was actually him <laughs> it, was, it was actually just him in there just <laughs> sadly Sadly, Morton never actually figured out how to attach fans to it permanently. So he would come around, he would run around the arcade to the different installations with loads of those little handhelds and a bunch of AA batteries in his pockets and just come at you with them. But did they have AA batteries back then? When was it? I think so. It's the 60s. <laughs> oh, the 60s, yeah. I thought we were earlier than that still for some reason. We were talking about the Beatles. Well, I think how could I so. think such a thing? Hang on. I was imagining him literally just going in and just when blowing people himself, which sounds dodgy, but I just mean like. A batteries <sighs> invented. 1888. No? no? For the listeners at home, we are looking at Google. 1989. 1989. I believe. So he so no. He literally was just going in and blowing on people himself. He didn't. I was factually wrong with that gag. How dare you? Fuck. How dare you not know things? You dumb person. I, it doesn't matter that you're a senior lecturer at a university. You're sh- Stupid. I am. You're not. I'm stupid. It's a lie. (laughs) Meanwhile, in 1961, two guys, Charles Como and James Bryan, who I mean, their names are their names are good, but they're actually probably the most boring ones. Yeah, they're solid names, but they they names are getting worse. By comparison, yeah, they're getting a little weak. James Bryan. These guys invented something called the heart. I almost said hindsight. I thought you were going to say the heart set. Um, these I guys. Think. These guys invented something called the head sight, which was right. a HMD that you could wear, uh, and it was the first one that incorporated motion tracking. Ooh. So it had. It was freestanding, I believe. I'm not. I looked at a lot of pictures of this, and I couldn't quite tell how it worked. When was this? Sixty-one. Uh, Goodness. And motion sent- tracking in 1961. Well, so not how we would understand it now. Okay. It was based on like weights and motors. Okay. It was mechanical. So it was based on the way that you tilted your head, I believe. And oh. it had these kind of um, big, heavy, kind of blocky instruments on top of it, like and like antennae with big s- cylinders attached. And I think they essentially like were weights that detected which way you were leaning and stuff. Whoa. I'm not entirely sure, um, but it doesn't matter because it was soon superseded in 68 by an invention terrifyingly called the Sword of Damocles. <laughs> okay. You know the old story of the Sword of Damocles? Uh, yeah, With roughly. the sword hanging over his, by a thread? Yeah. Hanging over his head yeah, yeah. as he sits at his table? Why would they call it that? They called it that. These guys who invented it, Ivan Sutherland and his student Bob Sproul? Sproul? Sproul. They, Bob um, Sproul. They invented it and they called it the Sword of Damocles because it was in fact attached to the ceiling. I thought you were going to say it was, in fact, attached to the sword. It was, in (laughs) fact, a sword. And if you (laughs) fucked up the game, you died. (laughs) Oh, goodness. That's how science used to be barbaric. Wow. Uh, No. So it it was attached to um, uh, essentially like an angle poise arm rig and your movement relative to where it was attached to the wall and and ceiling controlled the experience wow yeah so it it was mounted you couldn't like go out you couldn't go very far with it on yeah because it was attached to all this big rigging wait wait, so it hung down and you what put something on your head you uh, um yeah imagine like a big angle poise arm coming down off the ceiling (laughs) And the, the, the end just grabbing your and head and squishing it more like on the end of it is like um instruments that look like the kind that you get eye tests with at the optician oh, i love those they're so, so cool. you would you would like bring it down in front of your eyes wow cool and then you would move around with it kind of holding it to your face i feel like i've seen that before yeah i feel like i've seen a picture it's of that fascinating or it's that so really cool. weird and fun to watch i want to try and more. again there are videos of this being used on youtube and i highly encourage everyone listening to go and watch them after you finish this. I'm going to go and watch them after this. The thing that made Sword of Damocles significant is it was the first HMD connected to a computer Whoa. rather than straight to a camera. It wasn't co- it wasn't controlling something uh, mechanically. It was actually controlled to a very, by our standards, very rudimentary 
computer and what the user was seeing was very like primitive wireframe renderings of 3d spaces a bit like like a screensaver okay they were actually seeing like they would be like inside a wireframe of a cube and they might see some shapes right very very primitive but it's significant because it's the first hmd connected to a computer okay it's the cool. first one that's not just like lenses and mirrors and stuff yeah it's actually being it's processed like, di- like not well not digit would it be digital yeah digital yeah at that point uh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's the first digital one. Mm. Things start accelerating from there. In the 80s, a bunch of different companies try and t- try and make stuff. Uh, we get the Sega Scope 3D, which uh, Is was that a... Sega? Yeah. Or... Whoa, cool. It was a headset that you could wear and connect to your television and I, the way I understand it is that it had like shutters on the eyelids and they would change based on the refresh rate of your tube TV. And the TV would only show like half of the image every other refresh, you know, because a, a TV uh, at that point is flickering mm-hmm. hundreds of times, you know, really, really quickly. Yeah. And so it would synchronize with the refresh rate of your TV and it would show you alternating images on your right and left eye by closing the eyes. Whoa. I just saw an image of, of literally someone's eyes being manually closed. There. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. <laughs> when they pulling were, the lids down, when they were testing it, When they were testing it at the Sega Labs, you know, at Sega Park, <laughs> all of the scientists got very tired eyelids with, you'd have, you'd You'd have rotations of of interns coming and like flapping other people's eyelids up and down really quickly. You got to grab the grab it by the by the lashes oh. and just go up and down. And then they figured out that they, actually they could just do that with like a shutter system with plastic and not have to touch any eyeballs. Um, there was also a, a, a thing, a short lived thing called the iPhone E Y E. That's amazing. Phone. Which wasn't a phone at all. It was a virtual reality headset and a glove that you used to control the games. Whoa, cool! Um, and you could play very, very rudimentary games, and it was very shit. <laughs> but cool, though, because the, the amount of processing power to handle not only displaying stuff on that on that stereoscopic viewer, but also interpret data properly from the hand was so uh, ambitious for the time it was just bad it was just not a good experience if you'd played it now it would be like nonsense yeah but Um, but it's a cool development but it was a cool idea in the 90s uh lots of vr based arcade stuff started happening you got a lot of uh, arcade cabinets with headsets also group experiences started uh, happening so like you know in that one red dwarf where it turns out it was all a game Mm. The best Red Dwarf, mm. second possibly only to the other one with the Wild West. Yes. Yeah. Good episode. There was an episode of the fantastic British sci-fi sitcom Red Dwarf where they all wake up from a virtual reality game in like connected little booths. Those are real. Wow. Like not quite like that, not quite in the way that they explore. But it's the same but principle. There were little kid-sized versions. There were like four-way seats like clusters of seats that you could sit in and put a helmet on and you could all you could all play the same game. That's really cool. And I'm sure a few of them still exist, but they're pretty they take up a lot of space. Yeah. And it's not like VR's moved on, so there's not much incentive to keep them running. Yeah. In 93, Sega announced a VR headset and then they completely fucked it up. Oh, and really? it never they went through lots of prototypes and lots of tests. And basically the hardware was bad and they never got to make it. And it was one of their biggest flops. That's really upsetting. Um, Poor Sega. Yeah, I mean, Sega made a lot of mistakes and then went bankrupt. So Sega. Sega. In 1995, though, uh, Nintendo released the Virtual Boy, which was quite successful. I've heard of that. I've heard of that. That was like, okay, successful. Nintendo Virtual Boy. For a little while. And then towards the end of the 90s and the beginning of the noughties, a bunch of PC headsets started turning up, just like a dime a dozen, things like Cybermax with I've 2X. I've heard of that, I've heard of that. Yeah, things like that. There were just cool. a, a bunch of kind of third-party headsets that would turn your uh, various video games into stereoscopic displays, or they you could run stereoscopic-designed games. There, there were a few. Again, still kind of primitive. And then, you know, this side of the millennium... Um, People started working on on 
what we now understand as proper VR or, you know, current VR. Mm. And one of the first to break into the market was Oculus that was then bought by Facebook. Mm -hmm. Um, And soon uh, the HTC Vive, uh, the PSVR um, and other kind of big players like that. Yeah, my housemate has one of those. And then you've also got mobile VR, things like the yes. Google Daydream. That was the first like type of VR I tried was was uh our friend Gerard had one of those little Google box things and yeah. you, you put your phone in and that was the first like well that I can remember the first like modern VR anyway that I tried and it was a harrowing experience. Yes. Uh yeah and there you kind of have it. That's it in a nutshell that's it in a nutshell. This is a really big nutshell, but it's awesome. a really big nutshell. Just one more thing before I put my notes away, right? Okay. Okay. My favorite stupid VR thing. We talked about the Sensorama. And yes. you loved the Sensorama. The, with the smells. And I'm saving up to it's buy one. Fantastic. Oh my gosh. Great. Fantastic. But I just want to tell you about one other thing, and I've drawn a sketch for other other people at home. You'll have to, listeners at home, you'll have to Google what this looks like. I've drawn my sister a little sketch to help her imagination. I'm so excited. Um, This was an invention uh, relatively recently called um, the Virtue Sphere. Virtue Sphere? It was actually created, I believe, by two people who tried to pitch it on Shark Tank. In the states, okay. TV show. Is and this a, so? This is quite a modern thing. Isn't this it? is relatively recent, yeah, but before the big kind of the big before names. things like Vive and Oculus started really okay. picking up speed. Okay. Um, and it is, it is a big ball. <gasps> it is a big translucent ball. Oh my that gosh! You can stand entirely inside with a headset on and a controller potentially and it sits on three sets of rolling wheels oh my god so you can walk inside the ball thus moving the ball which tracks your movement so you can walk in any direction you want oh my gosh inside the ball and you're like in a big hamster wheel that doesn't go anywhere that sounds so cool i want to go in one yeah um they didn't take off what they the well, com- they're big and, and cumbersome, I feel. So. I believe the company still exists, but they've only really made sales of this hardware to, like, science museums and things. Okay. They haven't... It hasn't breached the home market. Well, no, it, it can't really. And it takes up to... I feel like it takes up too much real estate to breach the arcade market. And it's also very expensive and you wouldn't want kids getting their sticky hands on it. Ew, no. So it's... People could go in there and fart as well and then it would just smell really bad. That's the thing, it becomes the fart ball. You know, you don't want a hundred people. And those are not the smells that you want in your sensorama. You don't want a thousand people a day going in there coughing. It becomes a plague ball. Ew, okay, no, I hate the idea now. I hate it. I was (laughs) really excited and now I don't like it. If it's for personal use, if you have one that only like you and, and maybe your friends use, then that's okay. But mm. like, oh, not a public one. Oh, gross. Mm. Oh, maybe yeah. When we have, when we're both rich and we have the, we <laughs> have the adjacent mansions. Oh my gosh, a- can we? That would be amazing. Acres and acres of garden and whatever. Maybe yes. we can we can have a conservatory, a shared conservatory that just contains a virtue sphere. That's amazing. Or two virtue spheres. That's amazing. My yeah. garden will inevitably be a farm animal sanctuary. But until but, then I think it's an yeah. unfeasible bleh. Feasible. Unfeasible. <laughs> Until then, I think it's an unfeasible goal. Yes, yeah. I would agree with that. Um, cool, though. One last little detail just for on a personal um, note okay. that you'll enjoy. The company Virtusphere Inc. are based in a town called Binghamton. <gasps> well, in, there is a place called Bingham. In New York. Yeah, but this one's got greedy. It's got two suffixes. Goodness. Like ham or ton. Bingham ton. Don't use both, but I thought you'd like that. That's pretty awesome. Thank you. I really appreciated that. I kind of want to live in Bingham, you know. It's not that far. So we can do a lot of good stuff with virtual reality you like have you, you you've used virtual reality i know I ha- you've used virtual you know reality. i have because you i had an audience the first time i used it yeah which was hilarious um so you've used you've watched vr video no, and i've played, you've VR, played games, vr games yeah. yeah but i that's the i've only experienced like i've watched vr video through the phone ones and then i've played vr games through my housemates one which is a psvr is it good? I think that's all I've done. Yeah. Do you enjoy it? I haven't used it much, 
but I do enjoy it. The game one is is fun. Like after like a moment of when I first started using it, I kept on losing my balance. I'd be like walking up a hill in the game and I'd start falling backwards. Mm. So after I got past that weird thing, I started really enjoying it, yeah. And do you think that there is room in this world for VR headset technology to do good? Do you think we can do good things with it? Positive energy. Can we send goodness out into the world? Yes. How so? I mean, the first example that came to mind, I feel like, is something that already exists, though. Yeah. Which is, like, as use in, like, medicine, in, like, for surgeons who are training. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah. Like they can, they can literally go in and do a do a surgery. Is that the right grammar? That is. I mean, they do. I'll do a surgery. They do a surgery on. That's. They say that in the in the hospital. I'm gonna do a surgery on you. Yeah, that's exactly what they say. Yeah, they can put their headset on and do a surgery to practice Mm. on on not a real human. Yeah. And but it is meant to be real. So it's, you know, it's it's accurate. I feel like that was the first example that came to mind that yeah. I feel like would be really cool. Is that a thing? I learned that they everything I know about the human body from Surgeon Simulator. Ah. Yes. Which is an incredibly accurate game. Yes. An incredibly accurate video, video game that is designed to teach doctors new skills. I've never played it. Don't worry about it then, just trust me. I feel like if you can buy it on Steam it's not a serious medical well, they have training an educational, application. They have an educational category and it's got one game in it and it's called Surgeon Simulator. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my thing with virtual reality and I think a lot of people's like big like blue sky idealistic stuff about virtual reality is essentially um it's been described as a as a as an empathy machine with virtual reality comes the opportunity to see the world through someone else's eyes in a way that just hasn't been possible in the past you know you can't experience other people's lives unless you conjure some kind of dark magic to inhabit their bodies okay yeah but with virtual reality Anyone can film their day-to-day. They could climb up the Eiffel Tower and film it on a GoPro. They can go to the store. They can, if they're in a, like, uh, war zone, they can wear something on their helmet. And then you can experience it. And you can, you can live their life and see from their point of view. And, in a way, feel connected to that person. And, and maybe, in time, just generally more connected to the whole human continuum. That's pretty cool. That sounds pretty nice. But I I also feel that you would definitely need to have some sort of restriction on it because people could, you know, be doing like filming their day at work. Like a lawyer could be filming his day at work and then uh, go home to his wife and uh, have dinner and then Mm. uh, go to bed and still be filming. I did experience this feeling for the first time watching pornography. I know, but like... No, quite seriously. I experienced this transcendent understanding of the human condition for the first time watching VR pornography. You made me watch VR pornography. I'm you we watched VR pornography on the same evening. Oh. With other people in the room. Yeah, you what this is the weird right? Brother and sister, time, brother and sister, you watched me watching VR porn. There I were also, other people there. There were other people there. There were like five people watching I also watching filmed me. you watching you did VR film pornography me. and put it on Snapchat for thousands of other people to watch. As did most of the other people in the room. Yeah. That's the world we live in, Jenny. It's because I'm entertaining. Yeah, because you were giggling and you were so nervous. Ooh, it's a penis. It was funny. Oh, there's a penis. I didn't want the penis to go near me. I was enjoying the boobs, though. Yeah. And then you put me in uh, just lady porn and it was fantastic. But that's what I'm saying, right? So, in all seriousness, we watched VR porn. Yeah. And admittedly, we did it because it was a laugh, you know? We did it because we thought it was going to be silly and funny and we were going to get some kicks out of it. We were going to, like, gross each other out, weird each other out, like, oh, it's so weird. But when I, when it got my turn, when it came my turn to put the headset on, my first instinct was to find a film that was shot from the point of view of the woman. Yes, yes, I, I wanted to be the point yeah. of view of the man. Because, because I've never seen it from that point of view before. I am a cisgendered male and... I will never, ever, ever experience sex from the other side. 
Mm. But VR, VR, a VR headset, in this case, the, the Google Daydream, gave me the opportunity for the first time ever to see sex, albeit pornography sex, which is not entirely accurate. You know, it's not true to the real experience per se, but to see sex happening from the woman's perspective. That was incredible. And for a moment, like, yeah, we were laughing and it was silly. And I was like, oh, he just came on my boobies. <laughs> and it was like, I was like kind of batting it, batting it away from me and like, oh, you see, she's inside me now. Ah, this is weird. You know, we were laughing. But somewhere in the middle there, I did glimpse just a, a tiny new bit of understanding for yeah. my fellow human. Right. In amongst all of that. And I think it changed me. Really? I think it made me better. Did you become a more thoughtful and compassionate lover, do you think? I'm already one of those. Good. Well done. I'm proud of you. But now I understand what it looks like. <laughs> oh, God. We're getting into some uh, dodgy realms here. Cool. Uh, so let's take a break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about how it can go wrong. Okay. Hey everyone, and thank you for listening to this episode 14 of I Will Save You From The Future. After a little bit of a break, we've been back. This last couple of months I've been working on a project that has taken up a lot of my time, so I haven't been able to edit this. Also, this episode was originally going to be episode 13, but um, because the shoot for The Bothering 2 was delayed, we had to push back the episode, otherwise this would have come out before The Bothering 2, which uh, is now out. We mentioned it at the start of the episode, and I think we mentioned it at the end of the episode. If you haven't seen it already, Jenny and I made a sketch, actually a sequel to something that we made uh, when we were much younger, about six years ago. We finally made a, a sequel to this uh, weird, uh, crazy family project, and it's now up, and you can see it at youtube.com forward slash I am Bing. Quite a few changes have been taking place and are still to take place. Let me run you through a couple of house things. First is Patreon. Um, I already have a Patreon. You can get to it by going to patreon.com forward slash Bing. If you haven't heard of the platform, it's a kind of opt-in subscription model uh, website for allowing people to directly back and support the creatives that they like. Since podcasting has started becoming such a big part of what I do, I've started including it in my Patreon. So if you would like to support this series in an ongoing, uh, small, kind of manageable way, if you like listening and you want to give something to us to help kind of run the show, you can do so by supporting me on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Bing. And you'll also get access to exclusive podcast episodes, uh, behind the scenes, uh, stills, scripts, pictures, that kind of thing. I also recently launched a Twitch profile. I've done a couple of streams at this point, and I'm I've got a lot more planned. One of them hopefully will be a live episode of I Will Save You From The Future. I'm trying to put that together. I'm also going to be doing a live writing session for my other podcast, Pride and Prejudice Lit Edition. Details about those once we have them set will be on Twitter at HelloIamBing, and you can follow me on Twitch by going to twitch.tv forward slash streambing. That's twitch.tv forward slash streambing. We still have a few episodes in the can that we recorded at the beginning of the year, so hopefully it won't be too long before the next one, but I'm not going to make any promises, because, like I said, it's been a bit crazy. Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoy it, like I said, you can support me on patreon.com forward slash bing. You can find all the episodes of this and other shows that I do at hitwithwrench.com forward slash podcasts. And if you have a spare few minutes, why don't you leave us a positive review on iTunes? It really, really, really helps out. We're still kind of finding our feet as a podcast and we're still trying to find new listeners and having positive reviews, getting five-star reviews on iTunes really, really helps us get discovered by the right people. So that's about it. Thank you for listening to the episode. Enjoy the rest of it. It gets particularly wild and um, I will speak to you soon. So we're back. Um, and we're talking about... Oh, you're just touching the mic now. <laughs> it was, you're just it was touching the mic. A funny angle when I was concerned. Studio S Etiquette 101. 
Sorry. Yeah, but I didn't want it to be like... Because it was angled wrong. We're talking about virtual reality headsets and we covered the history of them and we talked a little bit about them as, as good, you know, human relationship, building empathy, strengthening uh, machines for goodness. Yeah. The history was interesting. I learnt things. Thanks. Thank you for educating me. Thank me. Thank you. Thank our listeners. And thank Zenu. For, it, Zenu. for not having destroyed us yet. But it can obviously go wrong and it will go wrong. And how will yeah. it go wrong? Let's yeah. talk about that. We could tread the usual ground. You know, we could go... Uh, we could go clockwork orange and the, the headset's going to gonna lobotomize you it's gonna brainwash you we could go the route that we went last time with jamie with you know what it's not you know what you can't tell the difference between the real world and the fake world you know we could go down the route of creating a child army but we've done that we've been there how can we use how could someone use virtual reality to destroy the planet we're already destroying the planet so we don't really need destroy it more. <laughs> okay. I I don't know. I don't know. Do you know? No, I'm asking you. <laughs> You're the smart one. I don't know. People can gain information that aren't they aren't supposed to know. The people who aren't supposed to have that information can gain that information somehow. I'm just riffing here. I don't know. Bear with me. What do we know about it? It wraps around your head, like. A head crab. Yes. It takes you to different worlds. It transports you to different moments in space and time. Like. Albeit virtually. Like the Stargate. It makes sound and video and you can interact with it to play games. And sometimes it makes smells. Sometimes it makes smells. <laughs> <laughs> it is my boyfriend. <laughs> farting all the time <laughs> it's your boyfriend it's in your house it's oh, making smells maybe we get a an advanced you know what have we got right now the psvr it just goes on your head and then you put the little wands in your hand what if the wands are your hands and what if the helmet also has two little tubes that go up your nose oh yeah goes oh. up your nose no fills you with smells i don't like that. there's a whole whole heap of of psychological research about the the effect of smells on memory mm -hmm. and on no nostalgia particularly you know you think a smell and it's going to be like you, you smell a thing and it's like ooh nana's lentil soup i was literally just about to say that one specific soap that makes me think of nana's bathroom yeah soup soap all of it and the and and then there's taste as well. The taste of Vimto makes me think of yeah. Nana's. Maybe there's like a mouth and guard. And the taste of Ribena makes me think of Granny's. Maybe we make one with a mouth guard in it that creates tastes as well. Goodness. And then we can start associating visuals and haptic feedback with smells and with with familiar tastes. And it's like mmm num 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 num. Mama's <laughs> secret recipe. Um, but maybe we can associate it with something bad. Yeah, this feels very invasive. This, what would it feels so invasive? I feel if there's a way of getting, I mean, if there's a way of getting a food, a feeding tube in there as oh well. Oh my gosh, no, too far. If there's a way of getting a feeding tube in there too, Ew. you know, you could have, oh, you could have virtual reality restaurants, virtual reality restaurants. You put that, you clean off the. Maybe on the way in, you know, for sanitary reasons, you get given your own mouth guard. Maybe. You no. said maybe at the beginning of that sentence. Maybe they give you your own nozzle, you know, plastic wrapped. Not so necessarily, that... though. You may get one that's already been used by well, someone Well, yeah, else. maybe the cheap places you have to reuse it and you bring your own baby wipes. Okay. But what in the fancy places, you know, we're talking Pizza Express. <laughs> Maybe you go to Pizza Express, only it's just a white empty void with some headsets and attached to big tubes, right? Why would anyone want to do this? And you pay, just go to a normal restaurant. You pay the person at the door and you put the headset on, you put the nozzle, you attach the nozzle, you put it in your mouth, and then you're, you like, you're like, 
Uh, I wanna, I want spinach and ricotta, please. Spinach and ricotta pizza, please. Thank you. And the smell, like within a couple minutes, the smell of cooking pizza starts coming up your nose holes. And then before you know it, ding, ding, it's ready. And this just like mush starts getting pumped up through the tube. Liquefied pizza. And into your mouth hole. And it tastes exactly like the pizza you ordered. The pizza that you know and love. I'd rather just have the pizza that I know and love. But Normally. Jenny, but Jenny, it's the future. Spinach died out because of superbugs and ricotta went extinct. Yeah, it's no longer it's no longer available. They were all hunted to death. <laughs> the ricotta. Yes. Okay. We used to have fields and fields, barns and barns full of ricotta running around. Galloping. Their little faces. Their little faces. But now they're all gone, wiped out by the plague of the 2025. The, the, the plague tw- of the 2025. <laughs> the, the plague of 2025 came. The the famine, the consumption. Okay, that's gone. Now it only exists in your memories, which we can trigger for you for a price. Oh my god! Bam! I hate that's actually a good point, right? Thanks, me. (laughs) (laughs) I bring nothing to the table. Because as as our planet dies, right? You're a vegan. I am. So you think you know you are you're doing the the Lord's work. I'm not gonna lie. You're doing a good job. I don't know if it's the Lord's work. You're trying to save the world. He put animals and was like. Humans eat those. You're trying to save the world. God doesn't exist. You're trying to save the world. <laughs> and we're not. I'm not. I eat pork. Yes. So do. I'm not trying to save the world at all. I am. And I would like to. Anyway. But it is dying. It is going the way of the dinosaurs. Yeah, the entire planet. humans are terrible. Whole things are going to start ending. Whole types of crop are going to die. Sooner or later, the way that we... The only way we can experience some of these things will be in virtual reality. Wow. Bam. Yeah, that's kind of mad. So it's like, hey, do you want to remember what it was like when corn existed? <laughs> the, corn the band the crop, or corn the food? The crop, not the corn. Oh, okay. The crop, not the band. Okay. Because the, obviously the band will always exist. Yeah. The band's I was I had a moment still there. Going you scared strong. me because I thought you meant the band and I was like, no, no. Fucking. Th- I don't want to live in a world without corn. Yeah, no. 30, the band. It's fucking, no, it's going to be fine. You're going to be rocking up to Pizza Express. You're going to be listening to their 20th album. Fantastic. And it's going to be incredible. Good, see that? It's going to be just as good as the first time you heard Untouchables. Yeah, that's what I want to hear. That is what I want to hear. But you do live in a world where corn, the vegetable, the crop, yeah, no corn on no the no longer exists. No sweet corn, which is my favourite pizza topping. Yeah, so I'm quite sad. But you can get it. You can still get it at Pizza Express. It's just in the I tube. Can't actually, it comes up through the tube. And yeah, it's, but if, so it's actually like a protein. I was powder. Gonna, that's what I was going to ask you. Is it's if like it, a, how are you getting it if it's not? actually... It's like a combination. I imagine it as like a combination of a kind of Huel type paste with smell. Ew, with okay. a with an associated smell. Okay. And this presupposes that at some somewhere in a lab somewhere a scientist is manically documenting and cataloging all the smells of things in case they all start running out, which I assume is happening. There's I assume someone. someone that's someone's job. Someone is doing that somewhere, yeah. Oh man. Yeah. This is all a bit much for me. I'm I'm but I'm getting What are quite you going to miss? What are you going to miss when it's gone? I don't know. What do you mean? In terms of like food oh, or on just the planet, anything? Anything like what like pretty much anything everything is slowly festering and dying and being polluted to to, to extinction. So what are you going to miss? What can we catalog for you? Ding dong. We can catalog anything you want. Just mail us a specimen. And we will catalogue it for you in virtual reality. I don't know if I can physically mail you a cow. You're going to miss cows. I of all the I animals. I have animals. I like cows. all the animals. Cows are lovely. Kind of be like a llama. I like llamas as well. I like all the animals, but humans kill all the animals. What's your favourite so. animal? I used to say it was a lemur, but I just like animals in general. So lemurs are 100% going extinct. Oh, Absolutely. No. No, I like giraffes. No giraffes are my Giraffes. Favorite. Absolutely Why did I tell extinct. you that? Why? Absolutely. Spiders are my favourite. <laughs> Spiders. They're sticking around. Fuck. 
God's sake. They're indestructible. I'm it. Don't need them in virtual reality unless you want them. No, I, I don't. I, don't. I really don't. So giraffes. Giraffes are gone. Oh. Giraffes, what's with those necks? They're amazing. What are they trying to hide? Nothing. They've got it all out there in the open. They're yeah. great. Okay, so they're they're very tall, and obviously, obviously, when the end of days come, have you seen a giraffe run? It's a magical thing. Obviously, when the end times come, the first to go will be the tallest of the animals. Oh. <laughs> I'm assuming a kind of death from above situation. That would get the birds first. Birds have nests on ground level. No, in trees. Giraffes. In trees. Giraffes don't burrow into holes in trees. Giraffes are always up. <laughs> no, sometimes they lay down. <laughs> That's giraffes' whole deal. Always up. No, no, they lay down sometimes. So the end times come, the drones take us out, and maybe they fly too low and all the giraffes get chopped up, you know? Why are you, why are you giving me this visual image in my head? I, I don't like you. Why am I here? <laughs> So the thing, the point I'm trying to make is we can keep the giraffes. We can sample 3D images of giraffes. We can get them in one of those big hollow portals and get them, you know, get a proper 3D map made, a mesh. We can we can keep one in like a sealed tank for a few days and like sample its various odors. Oh my gosh, why are you capturing and trapping this poor giraffe? For science! Have you not been listening? We're trying to catalogue it. I don't want you to. I just want the giraffes to still be there. Jenny, they're gone. We can't save them. I'm just trying to do the best I can with a very shitty situation. I literally follow an Instagram account called Giraffe and it's great. Please don't take them away from me. I'm not. The Instagram's not going to go away. There's never going to be a shortage of photos of giraffes. But there will come a time when there is a shortage of real giraffes. No, there won't. I'm trying to save them. I'd rather the humans go. You've got to join me on this train. You can't resist me. Come on. Fine. Hypothetically, so, we're gonna take a 3D mesh image of the of the giraffes. Okay. We're gonna seal them into a tank for a few days, and we're gonna measure all their farts and their burps, <laughs> and we're gonna like get little capsules of their sweat and stuff. We're gonna scare them and and you know get the smell of when they're scared. Oh my gosh! What? There's pheromones and stuff. We need all of this data, and one giraffe has to suffer. I'm sorry, one giraffe suffers. The upshot is that then you can walk into any high street franchise virtual reality uh, vendor and you can be like, I want to hang out with the giraffes, please. Give them, give them some money. Spend a day running with the giraffes. And hey, it's virtual reality, so maybe you can be their size. <gasps> or they can be tiny. <gasps> yeah, okay, now you're loving it, aren't you? <laughs> Yeah, now you're on board. Oh my gosh! Oh, suddenly they're tiny. You're all you're all ears now. No, imagine being the size of a giraffe. Imagine being the size of a giraffe and running with them. Oh my gosh, it'd be so amazing. Okay, so I've just created that that environment for you. Okay, all we had to do was torture one giraffe. No. Okay, but here's the here's the next step. Here's the next oh, no, step. Here's the kicker. You know what else is gonna not be around for very long? Grandma. <laughs> Chris, why? Why are you doing this to me? I'm sorry, but it's a fact. There will come a day, and it's much sooner than the giraffe's day, where Granny isn't around anymore. Please, please, why did you have to say her name? And yes, that is her name. But she's called Granny. Granny, that's her first name. We have the technology. We have the technology to to take Emma. Don't to us to the studio. Don't. We can map her in three D. We can sample all her smells. And oh. while we're at it, we're going to sample the smell of Earl Grey tea. Oh, yeah. And we're going to sample the smell of those caramel wafer biscuits. <laughs> and we're going to sample the smell of her macaroni cheese that oh, she makes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can't okay. eat anymore. And then in the future, in years to come, when we're like jonesing for a bit of that, that granny time, anytime we're jonesing for, you know, to hear her tell us about what the neighbors have been up to, talk about the cat for a while. You know, the cat's having trouble eating. 
He doesn't like the dry food anymore. <laughs> He's not a fan of the fish flavor. He wants the beef chunks now. And it doesn't make any sense, but that's what I'm giving him. Okay, maybe when we're jonesing for that experience, we can just hop into that same store. And we can be like, five, five, here's five pounds an hour with grandma, please. Bam. And hey, <laughs> it's virtual reality. Maybe she's really small. <laughs> Pocket-sized granny! Maybe she's really small and there's loads of her. Oh, no. <laughs> Maybe we can just... We can just... Maybe, maybe we can customise the experience and you can be lying down and having lots of little grannies running over you. <laughs> climbing on you. Oh, no. <laughs> or maybe you and granny can both be giant and running around with the giraffes. Oh my gosh. She wouldn't be running, she'd be hobbling. <laughs> <laughs> Tough, it's happening. It's already underway. Oh, God. As we speak. <coughs> as we speak, Granny is being taken to a secure location for scanning and cataloging. Because you said a minute ago that the giraffe was being tortured. Does that mean the Granny's being tortured? Just don't think about it. I'm not. I need to call her. We do these things because we have to, Jenny. Oh, we don't. It's not fun. You don't have to. Just leave her alone. It's not our it's not fun, it's our jobs. So, hey, guys, I'm just going to step in here and say this isn't real. You've been listening to two professional actors spin some uh, improvised fiction. This is not the world we live in, thank God. Yeah, yeah. But it might be. It may become a reality. Yeah. And uh, so what can our listeners do? To avoid this becoming the true, the one true timeline. Don't buy into VR. If there's no demand for it, they might just stop, stop developing it. Yeah. And then it would never get to that stage. Speak with your wallets. Speak with your wallets. Money speaks louder than words and pretty much anything. That's, yeah, that's the main thing I feel. Yeah. You could do more, obviously. You could act you know, act, you act could against it, become but... a vegan. I am a vegan because, and... as as we all know, if everyone became a vegan, the earth would be saved. Yeah, yeah. You're and a proud vegan. I am a proud vegan, and if everyone becomes a vegan, then, then the giraffes won't be gone. That's exactly what I was going to say. You stole my joke. Yeah. Well, we both stole it from Edgar Wright. Oh, really? Or Brian Lee O'Malley. Oh. As in, as in Scott Pilgrim. In, I forget. It was in that movie. I forget. Yeah, so, I mean, we can we can recommend to you, if you are scared of VR, don't touch it. Christmas just happened. If you got a VR headset... Throw it away. Th throw it out. Throw it out. Get rid of just it. Throw that shit in the trash. Don't use it. Don't it's... even look into it. No. Because once you've looked into it... You're gone. They've got you. You're lost. They've got you forever. Mm -hmm. Um. Stop eating meat. Stop driving cars. Unless they're Teslas, use less water and lobby against big companies like BP who destroy the world. That's what I'm saying. All of those last few things, genuinely, yeah. I mean, yeah, they're all they're all just generally quite good advice if you want to save the world. But I mean, I, the root of the problem we explored was not so much VR. It was... Uh, humans. VR's answer to a, a much bigger problem. Humans. Which is uh, the treatment of the planet. Yes. By humans. And I think... Uh, we can all just chip in and do our part. I use recycled toilet paper, except when it is uh, itchy on my butt, then I buy Andrex. You, um, try to source your clothing responsibly, except when you're poor, and then you go to Primark. 
I don't shop at Primark, but okay. We are all passengers on this spaceship called Earth. Preach. And if we don't look after it, who will? Exactly. The fucking lemurs? I don't think so. They're just they're just living their lives, you know. They're just lemurs. Mm. We we have the power to you know stop this world from being destroyed. Mm, that's we, true. We should we should use that power. So Jenny, where can people find you on the internet? Anything.com forward slash that Jenny B. Not not anything. I should redo Interesting that. Interesting URL. I am I am that Jenny B on most socials, including YouTube, Twitter, yep. Instagram, Snapchat. Bebo. MySpace. Bebo. I, I don't know if I have those anymore, but probably. Mm. I don't think I was that Jenny yeah. B back then, but yeah. Uh, Daily Booth. Oh, I had Daily Booth. Yeah. I wasn't that Jenny B, though. Uh-huh. Tumblr? I have Tumblr. I'm yeah. that Jenny Do B. Do you use it? No. Okay, then. It. I get sucked into the void, so I stopped using it because mm-hmm. it was taking up all of my time. And you can find me, as usual, at Twitter, uh, at Hello That I Jenny B. At That hello Jenny B. At That Hello that I Jenny am B. Bing. <laughs> or on com forward slash I Jenny am Bing, where you can see the video that we made. Yes, called featuring the Jennifer Bingham. Called The Bothering 2. Featuring Jennifer Bingham. Featuring that Jenny B is what I'll use for SEO purposes. Ugh. Um, so cool. That's, that's, that's it from us. Uh, and until next time, I'm going to let you... Uh, come up with the outro. I'm just, I'm done now. Until next time. Oh, it's pressure. Get closer to the mic. I don't know what to say. Just get, just get to like here. There we go. No, I don't know what to say though. And until next time. <laughs> and until next time. Don't eat animals. After all that. (laughs) I can do something better. Too late. I'm closing it now. theme tune you just heard is by high five spaceship it's called boat people dreaming pills remix and it's available on all major digital outlets find more episodes and other shows at hitwithwrench.com forward slash podcasts